Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Legal Rebel Podcast. I am your host, Tay, and I'm here to talk to you about legal marketing, business development, and general communications overall. This podcast has been long coming, but has not been without a few snags. And for those of you that run podcasts, you know how things get a little complicated. If you don't run a podcast, I have good news for you. We are going to talk about using podcasts as a marketing tool in a future episode or two. It'll probably be about two. So I would highly recommend that you hit the subscribe button now so you don't miss out. This podcast is going to discuss a large range of topics. Anything that falls under legal marketing, business development, or communication is fair game. And because I'm making this podcast for you, if there's a topic you're struggling with or something you just want more information on, feel free to shoot me an email at talktome at legalrebel.co. That's C-O, not C-O-M and I will do my absolute best to plan a future episode about it. The Legal Rebel is a side project of mine, and my goal is to build a do-it-yourself hub for legal professionals to improve their marketing skills and get their services to a larger audience. I understand that as a solo practitioner, small firm, or even an individual attorney at a big law firm, your marketing budget is likely to be limited. So I wanted to give you the tools and resources so that you can do as much of it on your own and save your cash, at least while you're starting out. Right now, we publish weekly blog posts on The Legal Rebel. We just started running the weekly newsletter again, and upcoming in 2019, you'll be able to find some reasonably priced courses that are tailored to the legal field on everything from creating your own legal podcast, running your legal blog, or learning a bit more about how to navigate the murky water of social media, which is most commonly run by teenage girls and makeup tutorials. So if you are in and you want more information, head to LegalRebel.co and sign up for the mailing list. That way, every Monday, you'll receive our Marketing Monday email that will have all of our up-to-date tips, tricks, published works, and even uh, some discounted services. Today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter as far as the information goes, and it's really going to be more of an intro to marketing. Before we start to market, it's important we understand why we're marketing and how it works. But before we get to that, you're probably wondering who I am and why I'm even qualified to talk about these things. So my name is Tay. I've been a writer, marketer, and communications professional for my entire career. I currently run a small agency called Indie Arts, uh, which is spelled I-N-D-Y, not I-N-D-I-E, in case you feel like Googling it, where I work with clients around the world to help them get their small businesses a larger audience. My clients are from all over. Many of them are from the United States and Canada. Canada is where I'm from. But I also work with people in Europe, Australia, and have smatterings of clients kind of here and there everywhere spread throughout the globe. I tend to focus on marketing tactics that rely on value-added content. For my clients, I produce podcasts, manage blogs, audit and improve websites, develop eBooks, advise on social media. I tend to be an overall strategy consultant, which means that a lot of the time I'm not necessarily the one doing the actual end work. That said, I do work with some smaller shops. In that case, I might be the one doing the actual social media posting or newsletter design. I do tend to write any blog post, article, or script myself as writing is kind of one of my passions. My clients are from a variety of industries, but most prominent and probably the largest chunk of my work is done in professional services. That includes lawyers and accountants uh, being my main client base. That's because prior to starting my own business, I worked in-house for a large national Canadian law firm in their business development and marketing group. And then I worked for an international accounting firm, uh, so one of the big four, working as a national coordinator for their energy and natural resources division marketing team, so for all of Canada. 
I also worked for two quasi-judicial government bodies in their public affairs departments. I was the associate vice president of communications for a political party, and I was the chair of the marketing communications committee for a local nonprofit dedicated to helping youth secure legal services. So I do have, at least I think I do, the experience. And along with that, I have a Bachelor's of Communication in Journalism, and I'm currently finishing my Master of Arts in Intercultural and International Communication, which I will officially have next June. So yay me. I do some other cool work with authors and filmmakers as a publicist, marketer, editor. That's less relevant to The Legal Rebel, but if that's something you're interested in, you can find more information about that work at www.indyarts.co. That's Indie Arts. That's my business website. I hope this gives you enough insight into my background to trust the information that I'm giving, but I'm always open to answering questions, so feel free to send them my way if you do happen to have them. So let's start off with answering the question, what is communication? I will warn you right off the bat, different professionals disagree with this definition, but as someone who has spent six to seven years strictly studying and researching communication in a variety of contexts, I'm going to tell you that communication is simply how we communicate. But more relevant to the business context are the different channels we use to communicate and relevant to you and your law firm. Those channels include the areas of marketing, public relations, business development, and internal communication. The controversial part of my definition is that it puts marketing and business development under communication and those who strictly identify as marketers or business developers tend to disagree with this. They think that marketing and business development are their own categories and in some capacities they are, but they're all under the hub of communication. So here at The Legal Rebel, when we're talking about communication, we're referring to all of communication. We're talking about marketing. We're talking about business development. We're talking about internal comms and we're talking about uh, public relations, public affairs, publicity, that kind of all those topics. Let's define those different channels so we understand the sometimes small differences to the different types of communication that law firms use to reach their audience. Marketing, which is the most popular term that I think we use in the legal world, refers to how we promote our services or share information about what we offer externally to clients, potential clients, or simply just for branding purposes to whoever is watching or listening. It would be considered marketing to run an advertisement in a newspaper or the Canadian Lawyer magazine or, you know, whatever legal magazine you might subscribe to or in a more modern context, uh, posting an advertisement on Facebook or Instagram or or using Google ads or a sponsored listing uh, on a website. All of that is considered marketing. It's also considered marketing to purchase a space in your local professional hockey rink. I'm clearly Canadian. (laughs) And how's your logo on the ice? Marketing gets your name and your logo in front of people for their business, for the purposes of building your brand. Um, Marketing gets your name and your logo in front of people for the purposes of building your brand, creating awareness for your organization and selling your product, which is, in your case, if you're a lawyer, is you. When we talk about when we talk about business development, we're talking about direct sales, where we have something in mind, like when we do a proposal or we send a direct pitch to a client, uh, and meaningful relationship building. So, uh, business development kind of has two areas. It's like the relationship building 
and the like sales. So you're, you're ready to pitch on something that they want. They need a service and you have it. And so you're going to pitch that's business development. Some firms talk about developing business through things like holding events. So let's say you do a morning breakfast for all of your insurance clients or all the people you would like to be insurance clients. Um, an event like this will have probably both a marketing and a business development component. And this is kind of where it gets like a little sticky. The marketing tends to come in when you're planning the event. So you're getting speakers to come in. You're designing and sending an invitation. You're communicating with the attendees or the potential attendees via email. All of that planning stuff uh, tends to be considered marketing. On the other hand, business development occurs within the event room. So when you're doing your actual, um, especially if you're the speaker, so if you're holding a breakfast seminar and you are the speaker or someone from your firm is a speaker and they're actually talking to the audience and essentially selling services, even if they're not directly saying, come work with A, B, and C law firm, even if they're presenting information and knowledge that they know, then that is business development. Business development is also when you grab a cup of coffee with a client and you want to discuss general business or catch up or build your relationship. That's business development. That's not marketing. So the biggest difference between marketing and business development is that marketing tends to be for the masses and business development tends to be for a smaller, more targeted group. And it usually has a, a more personal component to it. Uh, though I will say you can market to a small targeted audience, obviously, um, and you can obviously develop business with a larger crowd. But generally speaking, uh, when you're doing business development things, you have that target. And when you're doing marketing things, you're looking for kind of a more brand building. You're working on expertise. You're looking to um, get more recognition. Public relations or public affairs is the uh, third category. Um, of external communications, it refers to communicating with the public as a whole. So oftentimes law firms uh, do this through their corporate social responsibility practices. So if you, let's say you uh, support a local, you know, kids soccer league, or you donate money to the local opera, that's corporate social responsibility. And that's considered public relations or public affairs. But more relevantly and where lawyers tend to want to explore the most um, public relations and public affairs activity is usually through publicity. So publicity is writing an op-ed for a local paper. You could be interviewed for a legal story or provide commentary for a developing current news story as a lawyer or you're presenting at a national or regional or, you know, international conference. Like, so you're, you're a speaker, you're there to provide expertise. So typically we use public relations simply for branding or profile or expertise building. Um, where our goal when we're using public relations is to get more public notice of a law firm. So if I'm, you know, building a CSR campaign, about supporting a local little league. We're trying to get press and we're trying to get social media recognition and we're trying to get website recognition because we're doing something good for the community. But really what we're trying to do is build the the law firm's brand. And the same thing is if you're speaking at a, you know, you're an energy lawyer and you're speaking at the uh, renewables conference in 
I don't know, San Diego. I don't know where they have renewables conferences. But (laughs) if you're speaking at a renewables conference and you're an energy lawyer, you're there to speak. You're there to gain public relations credit or publicity for your expertise. So public relations or public affairs comes uh, strictly or pretty much strictly when we're talking about brand building or um, expertise building, personal recognition, personal branding. However, there is a slight catch to public relations. It also comes into effect when we talk about crisis communication. So uh, off the top of my head, I actually can't think of any crisis communication that happens with a law firm, except for when um, there was a, a few years ago in Canada, there was a big one that shut down that would have required a little bit of crisis communication. But it's kind of a bad example um, because they're shutting down. However, I used to work for a uh, quasi-judicial body. It was an energy board and we had a few floods in Alberta a while back and we had to go into crisis communication mode, which is basically where you are uh, answering calls, you're answering media calls, you're trying to put your best foot forward and communicate with the public and inform the public based on, you know, something bad is happening. So you're trying to keep the public um, up to date on what's happening and and explain to them how you're solving whatever problem it is. So crisis communication, not really a huge category in legal marketing, not really even a huge category in legal um, communication at all for law firms. I know um, for the record, you should have a crisis communication plan. So I probably will talk about it at some point about how to build one of those, but they're kind of the, um, it's a, crisis communication is last resort. Like you absolutely have to do crisis communication. It's way more um, beneficial for you and your law firm to do proactive communication. So we do proactive communication like CSR, corporate social responsibility. When we support those little league teams or those high school football teams, or when we support those kind of things, we build up um, public credibility so that when something like crisis communication happens, and it does not always happen, just to clarify, not every firm has to go into crisis communication mode. But when it does happen, you have some sort of public credit built up. Um, So the final piece is not external communication. It is internal communication or your internal corporate communication. This refers to how we share information inside the firm. Now, most of the time on this podcast, I predict we're going to be talking about the three external forms of communication. So the marketing, the business development, and the public public relations. Um, But it is really important for you to know two things about internal communication. The first thing that I want you to know is that the way you speak to each other, how information flows within your firm, and how people feel Uh, being part of your team is very important to your organization. And the second is that if you have poor internal communication systems or an internal communication organization that's really badly set up, uh, that can be detrimental to your external brand. So if your organization communicates poorly internally, eventually it absolutely will affect the work that you put out negatively and it will hurt your brand. So while it's not the main purpose of the legal rebel, it is important. So from time to time, I will probably mention it. Um, And I will do a podcast, at least a singular podcast on how to build good internal communication channels and what you can look for um, if you're trying to audit them. So why do we care about communication and what value does it really add to your law firm? Well, your communication practices do a number of things for you. And I have a really short list 
uh, that I'm providing and it's definitely not all inclusive. And as the podcast goes on, I will tell you more and more things to add to this beautiful little list. But the, I'll say three things right now. It's important for you to understand that your communication practices help you connect with your clients, build trust and establish better relationships. Good client relationships means more work. More work means richer lawyers. That's what you want, right? Everyone wants to have that good practice. Everyone wants to get paid really well for their work. And you can do that by using good communication practices to establish good relationships. The second is that your communication practices also help communicate your brand, your expertise, and your value to the world at large. This includes potential clients. It's not usually the topic or it's not usually the actual target when we're doing brand building type exercises. We're not targeting specific clients, although sometimes I've done it in cases where we were working on a specific proposal for a big company. And so we were doing a general brand build, but really we were targeting one company. So that is the tactic you can use. But generally when we're doing brand building, we're really just trying to push our name out there. We're really just trying to get people to know about the firm because the more people that know about the firm, the more likely they're going to be calling when they require that service. And the third one is your communication pending. It's effective, helps you reach new audiences and bring in new clients. So in short, your communication practices help you establish credibility with new clients and impress upon your current clients, your outstanding services and knowledge. So I don't want to take up a ton of time. So I think that's all we're really going to talk about uh, today as far as what is marketing. I'm hoping I answered all of your what is marketing questions. Um, So during each podcast, I'm going to put out a little like to do. You obviously don't have to do it if you don't want to. Um, But if you have the time and you do do it, I think that it will help uh, you step up your marketing game. And But if you do decide to do it, I truly believe that it will help you step up your marketing game and put out better communication practices. So for this week, I'm going to suggest that if you could take 15 minutes and see if you can figure out what channels you use right now, what communications channels are you doing business development? Are you doing public relations? Are you doing marketing? Um, Find out what channels your firm is currently utilizing and what kind of activities you're doing to support those. So are you going to speak at conferences? Are you holding events? Um, All of those kind of things. And then make a few notes about which channels you'd like to try to improve upon or even try in the first place if there's something you're just not hitting and you'd like to do it and what you think would be a good way to do it. The reason why I'm assigning this as a little like homework project uh, is because next week we're going to be talking about how to do some quick internal auditing and find additional opportunities to expand and improve upon your current communication practices. So it will help you to do this if you already have these channels identified and the activities identified so we can better analyze their effectiveness. At the end of every podcast, before I let you go, I want to take some time to answer questions. As this is the first episode, I obviously don't have any emailed questions from podcast listeners. So I reached out to a few regular readers and visitors of The Legal Rebel. And as a result, I'm very excited to announce that I have three questions today to answer. So the first question that I was asked is, how long should the articles for my legal blog be? Blog posts and article lengths can vary depending on the content of your blog, the attention span of your readers. Uh, but I like to say the sweet spot for blog length is between 500 and 700 sorry, 500 and 750 words. We like to say in marketing, the shorter, the better, because studies have shown that our readers have really short attention spans online. That's They're just, they're not really paying attention. They're clicking through and they're watching videos. 
But in the case of longer blog posts, because I, I do understand having legal clients and working with lawyers that it is a lot of the times it's hard to put your concept into a 500 words um, or even 750 words. So sometimes I will see, I will often see blog posts between a thousand words and, you know, um, uh, 1250 words. So in those cases, if you're building longer blog posts, I would suggest that you help your reader out by using bulleted lists and easily identified headings throughout your post. So we'll talk about blog posts more in depth as well, but hopefully this gives you kind of like a quick guideline to work with as far as how article length goes. The second question I got was, do casual photos work better as attorney photos on law firm websites? And I do love this question because I actually have been answered or asked this question several times while practicing at a law firm, because it is one of those concepts that people are like, well, these guys have really cool photos, so maybe we should not have you know, scary professional looking ones. Sometimes you should though. So the simple answer to this question is it really depends, which is not a particularly helpful answer. And I apologize for that, but let me tell you my thoughts on it. And hopefully it will give you more of an idea as to what direction to go. If you are choosing new photos, if I was advising a client of mine on what kind of photos they should have for their practice, I would look at two main factors. The first would be what kind of law firm do you have? What kind of law do you practice? And the second would be what kind of clients do you have? So if your law firm is one that focuses on big companies, say oil and gas insurance, telecommunications, a photo of you and your pet parrot Jake is probably not going to come across well to your clientele. One could argue that it lacks professionalism. I personally would argue that it lacks the correct professionalism for the situation. I don't think casual photos are unprofessional. I do think that there are certain situations that recall um, or that require to have those really professional law firm photos. Um, regardless of whether it lacks professionalism or not, it's probably not a great idea in that situation. However, if your firm specializes in unique personal solutions in an area like family law, then having a picture with Jake might be a really great asset to have in a photo. Out of Vancouver, there's a family law firm. And I believe, although please don't quote me on this, that it's called McLean Family Law. They have a really unique approach. They have a day in the life type photo essay series for some of their um, more senior professionals that puts a personal touch, which I think is really great. And I think it probably adds to the client experience, especially if they're looking for a family attorney. They want that personality in there. They want someone that they can trust. They also have the same firm, who, and I don't know the name of their corporate practice, but they do have a corporate focus practice, and their photos that they use for those are more traditional professional photos, like so the the standard, um, you know, mid-body to shoulder shot that you would normally see with kind of a stern-looking face, and you probably wouldn't want to see them in person, but you might want them to practice law for you, especially if they're a litigator. So... Um, I think the correct answer when it comes to this kind of question is, um, or at least the most reasonable answer for the situation is to take a look at your clientele and take a look at your firm or even your personal brand and decide based on those factors, whether or not you want traditional photos or you want to go a more unique, um, personable way. And the final question that I have to, for today, uh, is I input my contacts in Microsoft office. Why do I need a CRM database? This is a huge question. Uh, CRM databases is a gigantic topic and we absolutely will be covering them. 
Uh, but for now, I'm just going to give a really brief answer. So a, a customer relationship management database or a CRM database helps law firms track clients. So not only does it house your contact information, your phone number, your email, your addresses, but a good one. And I have to stress good here because I've worked with some inside law firms that are not so great, but a good CRM database will help you track, tag, and analyze your client's engagement in your firm. And more importantly, it will help you track your engagement with your client. So your lawyer's engagement with your client, how often you're emailing them, what kind of information they're getting, how often you're seeing them, what kind of work you're doing for them, et cetera. A really good CRM database can track all of that. A comprehensive database will help you gather and analyze all of this information so you can then interpret your relationship with your client for marketing and business development purposes. To further go back to this question, Microsoft Office, um, sorry, not Microsoft Office, Microsoft Outlook or G Suite or any email-based program that you're using to send email back and forth is not a CRM database. While it can house your contacts, it doesn't analyze or gather information or even tell, like it really doesn't tell you anything. I guess you can probably find out how many emails you've sent them but you'd have to flip to a new window to find out how many emails they've sent you. So Microsoft does have a CRM database. It's called Microsoft Dynamics and it is huge. I honestly don't recommend this database, especially if you're a small to mid-sized law firm. The reason why is their system is so big and so powerful that it means it's probably likely going to miss the target for what you're wanting it for. I have seen within some bigger law firms that they're using databases that are huge, like Microsoft Dynamic, which makes sense because they're big law firms, but you lose a lot of information because there's just so much of it. And it's not, I I also find that Microsoft Dynamics doesn't integrate really well. So if lawyer A enters information about client A and then lawyer B comes in and enters different information about client A, Microsoft Dynamics, at least in my experience, doesn't appear to be able to reconcile both pieces of information and combine them. Uh, So it's probably going to miss the target for what you're wanting it for. Um, and you'll probably, so with some of these bigger databases or some of the more popular databases, you might have to pay for add-ons to get what you want out of the database, which is kind of another downside of them. I personally, for my business, have three different databases, all of which I use for different sections or publications in my business or purposes. Um, but I'll tell you the ones that I use. Um, I use Hello Bonsai. It's an accounting CRM system. It's like a small startup out of, I believe, San Francisco. Uh, and it's used for invoicing clients. And it's, it is really specifically aimed at freelancers. So it's probably not good for law firms. But it it's an accounting slash CRM system. So it can house my contacts. It, can, it does my billing. And it can uh, talk between the two different sections. It also does hours and stuff. Although I use an entirely different system to do hours. I use a system called Trello in case you're wondering. It's it's a really um, inexpensive system and it's fantastic. Um, But it does, it it integrates between the two so I can find out what clients have paid me what, you know, who my best paying clients are, who are, are, are always coming late, you know, that kind of thing. So Hello Bonsai is really good for that if you're a freelancer. Airtable is probably a, a Airtable is another type of startup company that I use their services for. It's probably best described as really advanced Excel spreadsheets. If you have really long client lists, I do not recommend Airtable. However, if you're just starting out and 
you don't have a CRM database, Airtable is probably perfect for you because you can modify the list to have whatever you want. And you are going to want a list that has all of your emails and all that kind of stuff. So if you if you have a list that's 14,000 names long, Airtable is not for you. If you have a list that's like 80 names long, Airtable is probably perfect for you. And it does some other really cool things. And I will be actually talking about Airtable. I'm not sponsored by Airtable. I just want to clarify. But I like their services and I use them for some of my stuff, um, content management type things, social media planning, all of that kind of stuff. And so I will uh, probably talk about them in the future when it comes to when we're talking about digital media and digital planning. Because they have some really great, they have some really great options and the templates are already built for you and it's free. And I like free. Finally, the last program that I use is MailChimp. And this is a really popular program and is by no means the only email platform. I know a ton of marketers who do not like MailChimp. I happen to love it. Um, and in some capacities, MailChimp is also a CRM database for me because it also does. So if I send an email to people, it will also tally who's opening what and whatnot. So I use MailChimp to do things for like my newsletter. So if you are on the legal rebel newsletter, um, list, I use MailChimp to get into contact with you. And it's really great because MailChimp does, uh, they do a lot of pre stuff for me. So they'll, they'll put in the stuff that you need to have put in for certain regulations. And then they will also, um, tabulate everything. And so at the end of the end of the run of the email, I can go in and look and see, Oh, this person opened it and this person didn't open it. So maybe it's not relevant to them and it, it can help you, um, make your newsletters and that kind of thing better. Um, so there's lots of CRM databases out there and there's even more specifically tailored to law, uh, law firms. And we will be talking about them in more detail because I think it's super, super important. It's really important for your business development practices. But the short answer for this question is you need to do, you need to put your contacts into your CRM, CRM database, not your outlook. It's cool if you have them in there too, because you need to be able to measure that communication with your client and you need to be able to classify those touch points. So if you aren't able to do that, then it is really hard for you to evaluate your business development. If you don't have a CRM database, find something that will work until you require a really big one, something like Airtable or you can do it on an Excel spreadsheet if you want to. I've seen it done. Just make sure your list doesn't get too big because then it's a little weird and uncomfortable and you can't find anything. Uh, so that's all for the questions today. If you have questions you'd like answered, please email us at talk to me at legal I will be absolutely more than happy to do my best to answer it on the podcast. Thank you for joining us on our first episode of the legal rebel podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I intend to release a new episode every Monday along with our marketing Monday email. If you would like to be added to the list, please visit www.legalrebel.co, that's C-O, or you can send me an email to talk to me at legalrebel.co. If you go to the website, you can just sign up on your own. And if you send me an email, that's fine too. Both pieces of information will be available in the show notes for this episode. You can also find The Legal Rebel on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching The Legal... Uh, actually, you can also find The Legal Rebel on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Legal Rebel. The is not actually in the name, just to clarify. The Legal Rebel, as I mentioned before, is a do-it-yourself resource for lawyers who need to get a handle on their marketing. If there's something you're struggling with in your law firm, 
please feel free to contact us and we will try to find the best solution for your firm. There are a lot of great lawyers out there, but none of them are you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you.